Hey everyone, I'm Brendan Hill, and this is Forward Thinking, a podcast by Metagy. Each week, I talk to inspirational business owners, brands, and marketing experts to learn from their experiences on the front line and uncover what it takes to build a world-class business. And this week, my very special guest is Australia's first ever digital marketer, Fred Shabesta. Over the last 15 years, Fred has built Finder.com, a fintech that helps people around the world make better financial decisions and improve their lives. Fred is not only one of Australia's most successful entrepreneurs, but he's also one of the most generous with his time, always willing to help others navigate the challenges of starting and running their own business. And he shares many of his business secrets in today's episode that helped him grow Finder to over 500 employees across six countries. In my conversation with Fred, we cover a wide range of topics, including why your first business goal should be to make $1 of profit, taking your marketing mastery and turning it into a process, and frameworks that you can use to make the best decisions for your business. Fred also tells a great story of how he ran over the Manhattan Bridge to secure a whiteboard for his new office for only $8 off Craigslist. And there's a great business lesson you can learn from this story. So please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Fred Shabesta. And welcome to the season finale, episode 22. Very special guest today. He's under a bit of pressure. Season 2 renewal on the line. And 22 episodes. Why 22 episodes? Good question. Thanks for asking. Simple answer. My favorite show of all time, Seinfeld, 22 episodes a season. And while the Seinfeld creator, co-creator, Larry David, said that the 22 episodes a season nearly killed him and caused him to quit the show multiple times, I found 22 to be a magic number. Learned a lot from all the great guests that we've had on this season. And none more special than today. I have found a heavy hitter for the season finale. Unlike the Seinfeld finale, I know he's definitely not going to disappoint Fred Shabesta, founder of Finder.com and HiveX.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Brendan. And thanks very much for listening, guys, and, and sticking through 22 episodes. <laughs> That's right. So first of all, congratulations on your 10-year anniversary of Finder.com. Can you tell us a bit more about what Finder.com does and why you founded it in the first place? Yeah, so we, we believe that the world's a, a better place when it's well-informed to make decisions. And, and with that premise, you know, we have a vision in, 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 in Finders. We're trying to better all the world's decisions. Now, we started off obviously as, a, as, a, as an Australian comparison service and now we've exported that and we've now set up in the US and the UK and we've just started in Canada. We market to other, other countries as well in a smaller way, but we're primarily a, a service people go to make decisions. So you can see all the prices of the credit cards, insurances, energy, cell phone plans. What else? There's a hundred different categories now. So it's a place to, to find a better deal. And why is that important for business owners? This is my second business and all and every, actually, well, I guess Hivex is the third, but I think a lot of the businesses that I get involved with, I've always tried to keep costs low. And or the other part is, you know, getting um, the most frequent flyer points because when you have a business, you spend a lot on your credit card. And so you may as well fly for free or get that upgrade. 
those kind of things, I think, come in handy. And I think just I just wanted to bring that all into one place for businesses and you know, just helps people save money. And why is it important for these early stage businesses to be frugal? I mean, I saw on your LinkedIn profile, it says that you love to ring up the bank even to save two cents. So why is having a frugal mindset so important? Well, I've always bootstrapped companies. So Finder was started, you know, it's built on cash flow. But where that comes from and why that's possible is it's all about saving money along the way and being extremely frugal. So is that you can put the money, obviously, to paying yourself. That's a key thing to do. The second thing is to you know, pay your staff really well, to also be able to take up the opportunities you can and want to do. I think at the, at the core, it's the moment in time when you can disconnect the company itself from you as a person. In other words, the company stands up on its own. And in order to do that, you know, the company, it needs to be able to be a going concern. And, and, and I always talk about this in the most simplest way. I think the goal with any business is to make, firstly, make $1 of profit. Make $1 of profit. I mean, pay your taxes, pay all your expenses, pay all your rent, your energy, every single thing. And at the end, you have a dollar of profit and or more. That is a going concern company. And once you've made a dollar, go and make two and then go and make four and then eight and obviously, you know, make a thousand bucks, 10,000. And that's, that's as simple as the way I see it. And start from that premise in mind and work backwards saving money and not spending money and 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 being frugal is the beginning of that obviously over time you know there are ways in which we've invested we invest heavily in our crew and they're, they're, the, they're the guys that have made finder what it is but you know I, even when i went over to the us in 2016 i ran over the brooklyn bridge manhattan bridge sorry just to go and buy an eight dollar whiteboard <laughs> you know i know there's a video on youtube you can see me running over there's a reason for that and the reason is I believe paying your staff more rather than paying for excesses that you don't really need. At the end of the day, I think I'd prefer to put more money in our staff's pocket than to spend on excesses and things like that. And I mean, you mentioned your finder crew and they're a passionate bunch. I mean, I see them all the time walking around the Sydney CBD and they find t-shirts. So, I mean, when did you come to the realization that, you know, the culture at Finder and the crew was so important to your success? I think that we started at the beginning and I, I, I'd give you an example. Finders is, you know, Frank and I were the founders of a previous company and we went on to build Finder and we, we, we both worked, when we sold the, comp- the, the company and worked in a public company, you know, we understood what it feels like when you work for another company and you don't own any of the company. And one of the things I noticed and one of the things I felt was I'm not sure whether people cared about me. And so I started, I started Finder and I said from the very beginning, so we, we got an office for the first time. We, we were actually on a, on a, on a in, a, in a WeWork before there was a WeWork. Right. This is in 2009 up on York Street here. And we, we had a tiny little, you know, shared spaces and we got an office. And the very first thing before we moved in, I said to Frank, I said, we're going to buy everyone. There are a couple of principles. One, we we're going to buy people the best chairs. So we bought, you know, went out and I said, I want, and it's not easy to find, but you can, you know, the, the Hemler Miller, they're about, I don't think, 12 to 1800 bucks a month outright, right? So they're not cheap. But I said, if you're, and this is the same all around the world, if you're sitting at Finder and you're working, I want you to feel comfortable because we care about you. We care about the work that you're doing. You're doing something important. You're changing the world. And, and you're helping people with their decisions all day. And to do that, like you've got to feel comfortable. The second thing I said, I went out and said, buy the best computers. You can buy a Mac, you can buy a PC, whatever you want. You can buy whatever you want, just buy the best. 
So is it because those two things, you know, like your computer is not working or you're feeling a bit uncomfortable, they're really annoying. And then sort of about four years in, another thing I, I sort of focused on, I said, I said, I was feeling like as I was working, I was like, everyone's hungry all the time. And I'm like, I'm hungry. You know, because we're working really hard. So I decided, I said, right, you know, I think we were 12 people. I said, right. I said to, to Frank, I said, let's, we're going to, let's go and buy lunch for everyone. I want to see what happens. We'll do it for a week. And I personally, I went to the Thai store and I bought all the Thai. Then I bought pizzas and I bought, and I just went and did it. And it just brought everyone together. And no one was hungry. And we had that chance to eat together and we talked about it. It was kind of nice. But I thought, what better way to say, you know, and I, and I go back to, there's a book called The Five Languages of Love. And in that book, it talks about how you show love. So there's five different ways. And one of them is gifts and, or acts of service as well. And I thought that's one way we could do that. We could show love. And I've always thought, how can the company show love and care for the crew that is contributing so hard to this business in a, on a day-to-day basis? And I'm always trying to basically start from there and do those things. Amazing. So I wanted to sidetrack for a minute. We'll get in the DeLorean. We'll go back at 88 miles per hour. Go back to 2007. You've just won the ADMA Young Direct Marketer of the Year. I mean, what advice would you give the 2007 version of Fred Shabesta? At that time, I didn't really back myself very much. Like I did, but I didn't know where is this all going to go. And I always take that serendipitous approach. I don't really, we didn't start find it to be what it is today. We we didn't really know what we were doing. We just wanted, I just wanted to build a great website that helped people, you know, with their credit card and get it to rank really highly in Google. That's all I really cared about. I didn't really think, what does this mean? How does this help people? I had no idea. But for some reason, I think what I, what I would, I would have told myself is the version that you think of yourself today is not going to be the version that you are in you know, 12 years' time. And in fact, it's going to be okay. Keep going. Keep pushing. It's going to be okay. Powerful advice to your young self. So you were the young direct marketer of the year. So I know you're an expert across many different marketing platforms. I mean, you've grown Finder to be the massive business that it is today. What advice can you give people just starting off in business? I mean, we've talked about being frugal in the early stages. So, I mean, not going to go out and buy Google AdWords straight off the bat. I mean, what advice can you give these guys just starting their business today? Well, I, you know, I think the first thing is, is I, I didn't build Finder. There's like some, I don't think I should get all the credit for Finder because I didn't really. I, I actually think it's there's incredible people that make Finder what it is today. It's not, mm. I think I'm just a, I'm part of it. I'm just a small part of it. And I think that's that's crucial, right? To starting from that mindset and starting from that place. The thing I think is hard to remember and hard to learn when you're starting out is to separate yourself from the company. You are not the company. The company is not you. I think we talked about this just just before, but I'm trying to really. It took me a long time to learn this, and. You know, I'm not Finder. People, I think I went on Sunrise the other day and they said, Mr. Finder himself. And I was like, well, no, I'm not really. Like, you know, Finder is this living organism in and of itself. It's made up of some incredible people that make that possible. It is not me. I am merely just, you know, I've, I've sort of, you know, helped to incept this thing potentially in the beginning, but it, I, didn't, I didn't create Finder. People created Finder. Great people created Finder. I think that, that, that's the thing. 
And so once you start to realize that you're not your company and you start to look at it objectively, then you can start to take actions which are objectively good for the business. Do the what's best for the business every day. I think that's a key mindset. So maybe I think that's a key. I hope that's instructive. I think the second thing what I'd suggest if I was starting out today right now is, and I talk about this a lot, is to focus on your strength. And what I, what, I, what I mean by that is I think everyone who starts a business, they all inside of the people initially, particularly the founders, they have strengths. They're good at things. And I think that tends to come from mastery. So, you know, I, I mastered SEO and building websites and internet marketing. You know, we talked about that with the direct marketing. I, and I, I was the first direct marketer to win that who was an internet marketer, not a, not a, not a mail. Like they used to give it awards to a mail, people who send, you know, direct mail, like in the mailbox and TV ads. And they'd call up people, the call centers, you know, all sorts of campaigns like that. That's what direct marketing was. I was the first digital marketer, just to give you context in Australia. That was that time. And... Everyone, I think, has a mastery, something you must you master over time. And that was my mastery. I, I spent seven years mastering building websites and trying to get them to rank and learning how to market a property on the internet, right? And I did it for clients all the time. And and this was a business we started, it was on the side of that where we just sort of experimented and did our own things. And that's what I, I always experiment on, on that kind of guy. But putting that to the side, it's not, you know, that's that's not, you know, in those early days, I took my mastery and I turned it into a process that powered the company, right? So, so all those skills, which were inside me, I translated into processes which sit inside the company and those processes run the business. It's not me. And that's the, what I'm saying is that once you, you, you know, you may, you may begin from your mastery, whatever it may be, maybe you're great at social media, maybe you're really good at Instagram, you're good at funny videos, whatever it is, take that mastery and translate it into a series of systems and processes and people and make that the beginning focus of where you gain a competitive edge and build your company from there. Because you already know that and you know what's going to happen. Whereas, you know, there are other things you need to master along the way. Don't get me wrong. Mm. And you'll always be on Like, you know, you're constantly rebooting yourself and reinventing oneself. And I've, I've done this quite a few times. But And there's been some really dark times because of that. I didn't really know who I was and what was I good at these days? What value do I contribute? But in its core, what I think you need to understand is what is that initial focus of the company that you are going to master? And, and when I talk about that, I mean, what is that number one feature you focus on? What is that number one marketing channel you focus on? What is the number one hiring strategy that you focus on? And just choose one. Everything else, whatever. Like, I just think everyone, you know, like all that will come. But I, I'm, I'm only, I keep it kind of simple and I just focus on one thing. So, what are you focusing on at the moment? That's a good question. I, I, I'm really focused on mastering I guess corporate development. I, I think I know that word sounds annoying, but it's <laughs> it's kind of buying and selling companies. It's about making investments into new things. So I'm running the ventures part of Finder. So I run Finder Ventures. I guess I am the co CEO of Finder Global as well. I actually still have my hand in one thing, which is building the brand. I get involved with that, and I build the brand of Finder. 
everything else I sort of, you know, work with, I have some, you know, there's some incredible people at Finder. They make it tick and they make it grow. They run all the other components that actually run the business to day to day. I'm looking at the future. So I'm making sort of investments for not today, but maybe 24 months down the track. And how would you recommend, I mean, obviously forecasting and looking into the future is hard for people who have small, medium businesses. They're often engulfed in the day-to-day struggle, the grind. Is there any recommendations you can give to, you know, stepping aside and how do these guys look into the future and potentially find different wins for their business? I always think when you take a company, the number one step is and, and the steps to getting to this place of where you're sort of planning even longer term, first you need to master in the existing operation. So I spent we, we spent probably seven years doing that at Finder before we went and started doing other things, other countries, new ventures. It, it, it you know, just to give you and I think that's that's the right time period. Mm-hmm. Seven years to master things. That's about right. I say 10,000 hours. What is that? I don't know how it comes out to be. Yeah, the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000-hour rule. I think that's been proven in another book to be wrong and stuff as well. But, but you know, I think seven, five to seven years and then you become a master. You know, like well, how long does a plumber and an electrician take to become an, a, from an apprentice to a, a master electrician or whatever it may be around that same time? And that's what used to be in the Greeks and the Romans as well, going back in time. And I think it's the same thing with a company, right? If I was running a small business, and I am running a small business with Hivex, you know, there's three people, and all I'm focused on is making that core system run better. That's it. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to plan out for 24 months, and looking, we're looking at 12 months max ahead, and just day to day, what are we doing right now, and making that system smoother and better and better and better and better, and just sharpen that blade. Once you've got a bit of traction, just make it better. Where you're less and less and less and less and less and less and less involved. Speaking of less involved, there's something I wanted to touch on with you is time management. So obviously you have a lot of different things going on. The same can be said for small, medium business owners. And what I like to call it is superhero syndrome. So they like to do the accounting. They have to do the HR. They want to do the social media. And you talked about mastery as well, which was very interesting. You know, focus on the one thing that you're really good at. So, but... Going back to you, how do you manage your time with so many exciting projects going on? Yeah, I say no to a lot of things. You're a master of no? Yeah, pretty good at that. Yeah. What about this podcast? I didn't say no. <laughs> well, I think it's important to, you know, I choose those. I get, I get so many requests for my time. Maybe I'll take a step back and sort of answer that in a different, you know, to give, you, give context. I think it's important. So let's talk about time management. What is time management? Time management is about prioritization of where you, what is important to you and what is not. In other words, are you, do you know what your goals are or, and therefore what priority order do you put things in? In other words, do you know where you are going? And then you kind of summate that to, I tend to write these things down. I write five things down. I write five things I'm going to stop doing and then I write down the five things I'm going to start doing. And I just constantly review this. And that, that's a simple process, right? But I think that whole process, what it does is it clarifies for you, okay, this is my goal, so I'm going to stop doing it, this is what I'm going to focus on, and then I'm, I'm going to commence doing these things. Now, take a step back. The other question component to this, which most people leave out, because you're not a superhero. Like, well, you are. You're, there is a superpower you have, but you're not a master of everything. In other words, a master. to me, a master, like a, there are polymaths and 
I do think those exist and they're becoming more and more prevalent these days. And I do think people can master more and more things much faster. So I encourage that. And I think you have to do that as an entrepreneur, don't get me wrong. Mm. But I do think what you want to do very carefully is to make a self-assessment of what are you good at. So to give context, I, you know, I think there's four types of CEOs. One is a sales CEO. They go and sell. They're always selling, 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 selling. Yeah. You know, the selling stuff. There's a product CEO. They're always building the product, focus on the tech and the product and making a feature and this and this and this product, product, product. You know, I think that's like the, the Brian Armstrong, the CEO of Coinbase. Selling CEOs like Larry Ellison, he's all, you know, from Oracle. They're always, he's always selling. The CEO of IBM, I've forgotten her name, but she's always selling. I went and saw a speaker this year at, in San Francisco at the big IBM conference, 35,000 IBMers. That was incredible. You know, so sales, a product, you've got operations. They're just improving the operations, making it run better and better and better and better. They're always focused on it day in, day out. The third one is a marketing CEO. They're always promoting, mm-hmm. constantly promoting, promoting, promoting. So if you took those four types of CEOs, sales, product, operations, and marketing, I would contend that I am more of a marketer marketing CEO, and then kind of product and tech, not so much operations, and then not so much sales. So sales a little bit, but I think I start from marketing all the time. I go, I go how are we getting this out there? Mm. That's, what, that's what I think about. And so that, the reason why I'm here right now on this podcast and talking to you, everyone who's listening right now and talking to you, the reason I'm talking to you is because this is my strength. I'm a promoter. And so... Of all the activities I can do, if I can share with someone else and help them understand how to build their business better, I think that's a great thing. And maybe in some small way, they might want to go and see what Finder's all about and they'll learn and remember that. And I think that's my hope from this. Sure, like out of 100 more, 1,000 people, 2,000, 10,000 people who listen to this, maybe only 200 of them, 20 of them go and actually do something about that. Probably that's probably the, the hit rate. But over time, you pick up you know, enough five-cent pieces, you make a dollar. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. And talking about marketing being your strength, obviously you have a big personal brand. I mean, you're often talking at events. Uh, you've got a very active social media channels. Talk to me about video. So you're definitely one of the earliest in Australia to really leverage the power of video for your personal brand. Can you speak on that? I contend that. I sort of, I do things maybe because I'm learning about them, but I I got into video because I wanted to test the medium. I wanted to learn about it. And I think it's an important one for Finder to learn about because we write a lot of content, you know. We write 1,500 to 2,000 pieces of content on our websites around the world every month to give context, right? And so, you know, we're making a lot of videos now as well or trying, you know, and it's, it's, it's a different medium, right? It's a different channel. And so the way in which I experiment with that is, all right, well, how can I use the channel? And once I learn how to use the channel, then I think Finder can learn to use the channel. So I'm in the same way, I guess, I'm, in, I'm engaging in the mastery of video and therefore translating that into processes and systems that Finder can use. So, you know, I think it's just a replicate. I see it as a fractal. I constantly just do the same thing over and over again. I master something and then I process and systemize and then I turn it into a company and I do it over and over and over. I said the other day, I am literally, I go through these cycles and I, I am a constant fractal of the same energy and process replicated over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I, I, just, I just have my method, my, my, my method, yeah. Can you talk more about your methods? How, 
I guess, learning how to learn. How do you start on the journey to so, mastering? Yeah, so I, I kind of learned this from some of my friends, actually, when they wanted to, you know, do something. I, I sort of am good at pioneering and experimenting and taking chances. But then one of my friends, he taught me about, you know, learning how to build database websites. And he just went and looked it up. He just said, how do you do this and, and put it on the internet? And I was like, no, what the? Hey, can't just do that, can you? And it just told you the answer. The answers are out there. The internet is full to the brim with answers. It's overflowing. It's a cornucopia of information yeah. and knowledge and obviously sifting through that. And once I understood that and then what I do is I just take that information and I just basically apply it. It's not really that amazing. I just apply stuff. I just do it. Constant experimentation, as you were saying. I do a lot of, I have a lot of failed experiments as well. <laughs> a lot of, lot of things I've tried and tested. And, do, do you learn more from your failures? I think it's a mixture. Depends on what I was doing and where I was going and the moment in time. And I think that if I was to zoom back, in the beginning, I made so many mistakes and I learned a lot from that. And then I, you know, I, I, I really, they really hurt and they, they're the scars you wear and no one can else can see, but you can feel them. I think that I don't really see them as failures. I just, see, I sort of can condense them and keep them kind of small. But what's interesting from it is those are the moments when I experience and feel failure were the moments when I was outside my comfort zone. And then I tended to like, you know, sometimes I landed them. It was like, wow, that, that worked. Sometimes they didn't work. And I've learned to decrease the risk and, you know, play down the downside over time. You know, you got to understand when we first moved to the US, we, we actually, our first office was in Santa Monica. I don't know if that was the best idea initially, but I think over time, you know, it was clear we needed to move from LA to, to New York. New York is where finance is. It's, much more, it's the way the media is, where finance is, right? American cities are built like that. They have industries, whereas I think Australia doesn't have as much of that as profoundly yet. If I didn't do that and didn't take those actions, I don't think I would have known that. So the failure there was, I suppose, was a great learning. I think what was interesting is what I've learned to master, but when I make a mistake is actually quickly turning it into an opportunity. So we rented an office for two years, but we moved the office and then we immediately realized that this, the place we rented it in, the values were going up so hard, we actually re-rented it for a profit, which is fascinating, right? In and of itself. When you zoom out and look at that, I think that it's about those moments when you're outside your comfort zone. That's when you tend to fail. And But that's the moment when you can find and drill up and dredge up the most incredible opportunities. Those are the moments in time when you're feeling so much anxiety and duress that if you can just put your head up and look around, you will see the greatest opportunities. That's an interesting topic, comfort zones. Like, Do you sometimes intentionally get outside of your comfort zone, everything's going well, and you want to just take something to the next level? Yeah, I'm that kind of guy. <laughs> I to live dangerously. If I'm not feeling under some sort of anxiety or duress, mm. I try to go and relocate that and feel where can I, you know, a lot of things I don't mind sort of puttering along, but I think they feel nice and that's good. But I've tested that, that area to get into that area in the first place. But, you know, if I'm not growing and not feeling a little bit uncomfortable, then I think we're not, you know, pushing it. And so it's probably a weather meter now. 
I think I've gotten to a point where I'm leveraging that for a good gauge of, I guess, velocity and how fast we should be going. Interesting. And what's in your current business black box? What problems are you trying to solve? I'm fascinated by buying businesses and turning them into extra value for companies. I'm actually very interested to see how how companies have done that and how we can do that with, at Finder and create that into a process which adds huge amounts of value and speeds up what we're doing. You know, mastering this video thing, I don't know if I'm – it's a tough one. Oh, the video contents, it's definitely one of the most engaging that I've seen on LinkedIn, yeah. You've got your own studio as well? Yep, yep. So we took that investment as well and that was probably – that's a bit of an investment. What else am I trying to master? I think internationalization of languages is going to be interesting. I just went to J- Japan for the first time. I think it's a really interesting market. You know, we've, we've mastered sort of English in the variants of English because they're not all the same. You know, I think that a lot of the, probably a lot of the, the areas I'm trying to learn about as well are the kind of topics which I just never engaged in. They were all, and they're kind of basic you know, I mean, I just didn't do them, didn't focus on buying and acquiring and businesses at all. Mm-hmm. Just didn't do it. Oh, interesting area. Who do you look up to as your business mentors? I like a guy like Ben Horowitz. I have a lot of admiration for him and what he's transitioned to do. I look at, I'm, I'm reading about Bill Campbell right now. He was the coach behind Steve Jobs, Eric Schmidt. I th- I've always admired about Bill Campbell through other you know, things and I read, obviously reading about that. I think it's fascinating. And I sort of really, I really focus fire on people for, you know, and, and vacuum up as much information as I can. And then I sort of move on. I guess I have sort of virtual mentors to some extent. I think that it's, but, you know, I am looking for people. I need someone who's sort of done a lot of things right now that I can get some mentorship from probably. I think finders at this point where it's, it's, it's becoming – it's like when a company goes from being, I guess, to become an enterprise. That's different, you know, and I'm learning that. Exciting journey. So you talked about books. Uh, I mean, we've talked about The Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz, Trillion Dollar Coach. Uh, you talked about – was it The Five Love Languages? I did like that. I like that book. Any other books that you can recommend to listeners? You know, I, I pick up the book that I'm needing to learn about. I, I read, you know, obviously with cryptocurrency, I read about Red Flash Boys because I thought it was just interesting, you know, people who are doing high-frequency trading. Not that I'm, a, you know, into high-frequency trading. I just wanted to just fascinated personally about it. It was well-written by the same guy that wrote Moneyball. I think Moneyball is a great movie as well. I love that. And The that. Big Short as well. The Big Short as well. I love that movie that I constantly try and re- play all the time in the office. I love that. <laughs> I'm jacked. I'm jacked to the tits. <laughs> Just love that. I regularly go back over Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I also regularly go and reread How to Win Friends and Influence People. I read the the, the Everything Store by Amazon. I thought that was interesting in how, how he thought about things and just the relentlessness of Jeff Bezos. Poor guy's a tornado, which is great. You know, and I think I'm working very hard to do that as well and, 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 and be the best version of myself. And I think I've been spooling up and spooling up and getting more and more intense. And now I'm, you know, I'm really putting the, the pedal to the metal. Yeah, definitely excited to see where you go. And just wanted to thank you so much for coming in, dropping all this value. I mean, we talked about time management. You've obviously got a lot of projects going on. All the show notes will include all the books and resources that we've talked about today that you can find at metagy.com forward slash podcast. 
And before we go, Fred, we like to ask all our guests a couple of more abstract questions, mm. get the mind thinking creatively. So we've got two more questions to go. First one is, if you could have a billboard anywhere in the world, any location, what would it say and where would you put it? Put it in Times Square and just say finder.com. <laughs> Good eyeball traffic. <laughs> uh, yeah, seriously, type in finder.com, you know, get a better deal. That's it, simple. Good answer. And the final question, are you ready for launch? Because you're on the first flight to Mars with Elon Musk and the first settlers aboard the SpaceX Starship rocket. So what business do you start when you land on Mars and how do you promote it to the new Martians? I'd start a water business <laughs> because yeah, a bit of water. It's a bit of a dry place. You know, I, I look, when I think of a company, I think of things which are fundamental problems. Right. I like selling Panadols. I don't like selling vitamins. And look, you know, I've got a sore, my head's aching, all right? Here's, here's, here's a Panadol. <laughs> you know, I don't like that. Oh, you could potentially feel better. And like, you know, I'm not into that. You know, and that's what Finder has always been a question and answer, you know, problem solution kind of business. And I love that about it. You know, I'd start a water business and how would I promote it? I'd call it Earth. <laughs> <laughs> it's got that memory, right? It's, mm. it's bringing a piece of Earth and you drink it in every bottle. Probably not Earth. Most that's not a good idea because it doesn't taste so good. <laughs> Maybe something. What's the what's the purest spring? You know, like I guess I could call it probably spring or something. Mm, one of those Icelandic glaciers, something like that. You know, just call it water. Probably because water's going to be really rare, and I think trademark law would be very difficult to impose <laughs> from uh, Earth to Mars. Come and get me. <laughs> Uh, that is a fantastic answer, Fred. And thanks for all your answers today and being really honest. Before we wrap up, anything you'd like to say and how can people get in touch? I obviously am very active on LinkedIn. That's, you know, I'm a business guy. So yeah. I, I, I come and follow me and, and, and that's the best place. You know, and I, I guess I wish everyone the best. And if I was, you know, remember one thing, I talk about this a lot and I think about this is right now as you're listening, now is the moment. Like right now, commence and do what you need to do. Powerful. Fred, thanks so much for coming in. It's been fun. Awesome stuff. Thanks for listening, guys. Do subscribe. Do follow us here. <laughs> thanks, guys. And thank you, Fred, for wrapping up season one on a high. Amazing episode. And, guys, all the show notes will include everything we've talked about today and, of course, finder.com, so you can check it out at metagy.com forward slash podcast. Fred, thanks again. Thanks very much. From Metagy, this is the Forward Thinking Podcast. I hope you got a lot of value and actionable tips from today's episode. If you like what you heard, you can help us out by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app. If you know a business owner who needs help with their marketing, and I mean, don't we all know one of those guys, tell them to check us out. Never miss another episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To find out more about Metagy and get a listener-exclusive three-month free trial, visit us at metagy.com forward slash podcast. You can also view all of the resources and tools mentioned in this episode at metagy.com forward slash podcast. And while you're there, 
why not listen to some other episodes and join the world's leading community of forward-thinking marketers. I'm Brendan Hill, your first business connection, and I'll catch you next week for another award-winning episode of the Forward Thinking Podcast.